Sunday, July the 2nd. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Okay, what is truth? Okay, this morning, if I level with you, um, we'll probably hack you off. But it might also set you free. If we want to be set free, the journey to being set free is to be hacked off or frustrated or irritated first. To get to green pasture, what kind of valley do you have to go through? A dark one. Yeah, a dark one. It's through the dark valley that we get led to greener uh, pasture. So if you get kind of stuck in the weeds of the darkness of it this morning, remember where we're headed, okay? Let's not stop there. Let's push through to the uh, future, the transformation to everything that God uh, has for us. Right, let's catch up on the journey so far. What do we mean by a divided heart? What do we mean by a divided heart? That's not a rhetorical question. That's a real question for which I'm looking for a real answer. The lies in the heart. Great. What else would you say? There's a few options, right? Either you weren't listening over the last few weeks or what I've said was unintelligible, both of which might be close to the truth. Or the third option is you haven't been here for a few weeks, in which for, uh, on a few occasions, you breathe a sigh of relief. What else would you say about a divided heart? It's not fully committed. Unpure. Just turn to the person next to you and describe what an undivided heart actually is. Just try. The way that we most get hold of something is trying to figure out what it means to share that with somebody, with somebody else. A, a divided heart, a heart that is this way and that. A heart that has lots of faith in God about this situation, but over here is faltering and failing. A heart that says, I love you and I give you everything today, but yet tomorrow I live as if you weren't even there or present. A heart that says, I believe that God is with me in every single situation, and then I find myself acting and thinking and living as if I'm all on my own. How many of us have got divided hearts? All of us have got divided hearts, which means this is a safe space for people with divided hearts. 
Uh, and we've seen the thread through the scriptures. Do you remember uh, at episode one, we looked at the life of Peter and how his divided heart was exposed. Massive sense of allegiance to God. I'm going to go with you and do whatever you want. You're the Messiah, the Christ. And Jesus says, yeah, on that truth, I'm going to build my church. And then a few uh, moments almost in the in the story, a few uh, months later, he's around the campfire with a slave girl and says, I don't even know the guy you're talking about. How can he, he behave like that? You think, gosh, uh, that's duplicitous. And then suddenly I find myself talking about myself. And then we looked at the character in the Old Testament. He occupies the center of the Old Testament. He's a man after God's own heart, the Bible says, and his name is And never was the kingdom of God in the Old Testament more glorious and more extended than in the time of David. Never has someone wrote so many worship songs that have survived several millennia other than David. And yet he understood that he had a divided heart. And we saw the big story of history with the Israelites, how they... they. go through this amazing deliverance out of Egypt and they get themselves into the wilderness and they've only been there for a few weeks and they start thinking about what on earth are we doing here in the wilderness? God has led us out here uh, so that we uh, will die. Let's get ourselves back to Egypt and enjoy those cucumbers. That's what a divided heart does. It does ridiculous things. It says ridiculous things. It thinks stupid things, as we will see this morning. So we're going to go for another main character in the New Testament. Outside Jesus, give me another big character in the New Testament. Paul, right. Let's see how he's doing, shall we? Romans chapter 7. Have it open in front of you that Elizabeth kindly read to us. And let's take a look at this uh, passage together. We're going to see that Paul had a divided heart. Verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Look what he's saying. He's saying, part of me is spiritual, part of me isn't. Who knows what Paul's talking about? Part of me is spiritual, and part of me isn't. Then he goes on, verse 15. I do not understand what I do, (laughs) for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. This is the great Apostle Paul, the leading figure of the early church, and he says, I behave in ways I wish I wouldn't. Doesn't that make you feel in good company? Anyone know what this, anyone ever behave in ways they wish they wouldn't? Some of you have done that this morning. All of us have done that this morning in different ways, probably, if we look at the honesty of our hearts. Verse 16, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. And then it goes on, verse 17. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Now, this is getting interesting. My true self, Paul says, is being overruled. The person that I really am in the kingdom of God, the person that God is creating in me is getting overruled. My true self is being overruled by what we might call our false self. It's no longer I myself, my my real self that's doing this, but it's the sin self, the false self living in me that's producing this kind of fruit. Verse 18, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Who knows what that's like? 
I'd love to do the right thing. I'd love to give that up. I'd love to act in that way. But I feel utterly powerless to do anything about it. However intelligent Paul is, however part of a different culture Paul is, however we might look up to him, he's suddenly talking my language and got my attention because I'm right where he is a lot of the time. You with me? I know the good itself, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Verse 19, for I do not do, and he kind of he spells it out, doesn't he? And it hurts, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. He's talking about this duplicitness again. So here we go. Verse 21, it begins to get really good. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. So in my inner being, there is truth. I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. He is saying, this all comes from my divided heart. I've got this true self. I've got this true law of God dwelling in me. But alongside that, I've got this other thing that's at work. This false self that he calls the law of sin that we'll come to in a minute. This false self that keeps overpowering my true self. And that's our experience, isn't it? Because we all want to live out of our true self and be who we were truly made to be. And yet we feel this war is within us. This all comes, Paul says, from my divided heart. And then we can all agree with this. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. This divided heart, he's saying, is killing me. This divided heart is killing me. I don't know about you. This divided heart kills us. This divided heart kills the people around us. This divided heart produces death if it's not dealt with. This divided heart is killing me, he says. And then he goes on and asks the question. Stating the reality, what a wretch man I am, who will rescue me from the body that is so... I can't even rescue myself. Think about what Paul's saying. Read Philippians chapter 3 for Paul's CV. He basically, I'm the best Jew that's ever lived. I'm the most intellectual person on planet Earth is basically what he's saying. I've been more passionate and more zealous for God. I've tried to do all the right things. Ever since I was a little boy, every dot has been, every I has been dotted and every T has been crossed in my life. And he's saying, I am wretched because I cannot deal with this divided heart by myself. Jesus, he says, though, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Little cheer. Great. See, it came from a deep place, didn't it? Thanks be to God. Jesus can deliver me. You see, right there, in the heart of Paul opening up his heart to us, we see exactly what we're talking about. It's all over the scripture. It's part of the big story and it's revealed to us in all the characters uh, within uh, the story. Let's think about what Paul is saying though because it, it kind of fits in with everything that we've been talking about. So what Paul is trying to say is that his behavior that he can't control is 
This behavior that he can't control, right? Where does that behavior come from? We've been talking about this over the last weeks. Behavior comes from our what? From our feelings, okay? He's talking about desire. He's saying, I've got this desire to do the right thing, but there's this other desire within me, there's the other feelings within me that's overpowering me and producing not the good behavior that I want, but the bad behavior that I don't want. And he explains where his feelings come from. He says, look, my feelings come from the law of what? Of sin. Now, what's the law of sin? Now, we often think about sin as something that we do rather than something that we inhabit, embody, that we are. So I think about behavior that's sinful. If we go right back to the beginning, when the principles of sin and death are established for us in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, we know that there was an act of sinfulness. What was the act of sinfulness? Disobedience. What happened? They lost their connection with God. Why did they lose it? What, what, what went wrong? What did they do? They ate the fruit. They ate the fruit. Okay. So we think, we think that ultimately that's about the law of sin. It's about choosing to do something that's wrong. Why did they eat the fruit? They were deceived. They believed her. The first sin was not eating the fruit. Can you see that? Eating the fruit was a product of, a symptom of, the sin of believing a lie. So we forget about the law of sin, if you like. And basically what we know is that feelings come from lies that then produce wrong behavior, which is right what we're talking about, which is why when Jesus deals with the heart of sin, Pilate, ironically, Right back to the beginning of our series, Pilate, ironically, without understanding what he's talking about, says to Jesus, what is truth? Because Jesus was about to die for what was the truth. And the trouble is with this, you see, when we behave in a certain way, what we find ourselves doing then is just simply reinforcing the the feelings. And then when we feel something, that reinforces the lies and we become absolutely trapped. And that's what Paul's talking about. That's Romans chapter 7, right there. He's talking about this cycle where you've got, um, let's put it like this, where you've got behavior, and you've got feelings, and you've got lies, okay? And lies create feelings that create behavior, but behaviors reinforce lies, and it goes around like this. Now, There's a few things we can do to break this cycle because we don't like being trapped. You know you will be trapped in it. And every time you go around that cycle, how do you feel? You feel rubbish. You feel full of shame. You feel like you can't escape. You feel useless. You feel like, can I, can I ever change this in my life? And, and that just reinforces that sense of being caged and trapped. So we do a couple of things as Christians, right? As Christians, what we say, what we try to do is to modify our behavior. So if I go, if only if I can modify my behavior, if only I can try and behave differently, then I will break this cycle. You can behave differently to how you are feeling, but only for a short time. Have you tried that? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be really generous or kind or loving or patient or peaceful today. And that usually lasts until you've got dressed or cleaned your teeth. 
So we can, and, and, and this is why we've created a lot of shame in Christian churches. This is our tradition that we have to break free from. We've created a lot of shame because we've said to people, you've got to modify your behavior. And we've all gone, yes, 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 yes. Knowing that we can't, and that produces shame. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So we've said, you come to church and you've been told how you've got to live. And you go, yeah, 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 that's how I want to live. And you get pepped up on a Sunday. How hard can this be? Well, really, really hard. Even the Apostle Paul couldn't do it. Only person who's done it by themselves is Jesus. Just saying. So we try to modify our behavior. So that doesn't work. So then we have another go. We go, well, let's look at our feelings to try and break this cycle. Um, so I don't, I know what the best thing to do with feelings is this, isn't it? Yeah. Let's ignore them. Let's put them in a box and let's put the lid on. Now that's a temporary solution for sure, isn't it? You get them in that box and you seal that box up and it's all nice for a little while. And then suddenly, or or you get sick, or your body doesn't work right, or whatever. We know that in the end of the day, if we suppress those feelings, we ignore them. They don't go away. They just resurface somewhere else. So the only thing left for us to deal with, really, is this. What if we could attack the lies to break the cycle? That's what Paul's talking about. That's what this whole journey is about. Behind the behavior and the feelings are the lies. What if we could attack the lies? We're going to go after the lies today. Sound okay? So what we've been thinking about in our journey, um, we're trying to build, um, that doesn't work. We're trying to build some stuff at the minute. This is not how it's going to look, but this is some content that we're trying to work to take us through a, a, a journey. And the plan is to get this, uh, in a digital form to make it interactive and exciting and all of that stuff and, uh, uh, useful to us rather than a load of words on a page. But it's this journey that we're talking about that gets hold of the behavior, understands the feelings, but then deals with the lies. Rather than trying to deal with the behavior or deal with the feeling, we deal with the lies that are producing the feeling that are producing the, uh, the behavior. So that's what we're kind of chasing down together. And we've been talking a lot about that over the last couple of weeks. And what we want to focus on today is this here. Yeah? And we might get to this if you're all well behaved and I speed up. Yeah? So we're going to attack the lies uh, Claire, Katie, let's, let's crack on with some of the, with what we've got. So what we've tried to do, what I've tried to do is to, uh, cause sometimes we're so familiar with the behavior and we're so familiar with the feelings that we can't, even though we're asking God to show us, we don't quite see it. So what we're going to have a go at today is trying to see if we can spot a lie or two that are lurking, uh, within us. So this sheet that's coming round has got 40 lies on it. Ah, yeah. So, okay, so you can tell that we're building this as we go, because actually it's not 40 lies, it's 43. So we've got 43 lies uh, on the page. The thing for you to know, though, about these lies, look at me for a minute. Look at me. Come on, children. Don't start reading it. Pay attention here just for a few seconds, and then I'll let you loose. These are illustrative, not exhaustive. 
Okay, so if your particular lie is missing, don't fall for the lie that God doesn't love you anymore. See what it, see what it did there? So this is illustrative, not exhaustive. The second thing you need to know about these, um, is that these lies are rooted. This is really important. Pay attention now. This is, these lies are rooted not in your head, but in your heart. We access these lies by letting our heart speak, not our heads. If you allow your head to speak and your head to lead the way, this is what will happen. You'll go, um, do you believe the lie that I'm all alone? Your head will go, no, of course not. I know that God is with me. God promises to be with me. He'll be with me till the end of time. I know I'm not alone. But if you allow your heart to speak, using the word feel, because that's the language of the heart, rather than think, the language of the head. If I was to say to you, do you ever feel like you're alone? You might go, oh yeah. Oh yeah, my heart agrees with that lie. I do sometimes feel like I'm on my own. So we need to listen to our hearts rather than our heads. The third thing I want you to know is that the lies that you, we, wrote up in the prayer room are included in our list. These aren't some lies for nasty Christians that haven't got a clue. These are our lies. Yeah, so let's be proud of our own lies. Yeah, these some of these are ours. You know, these are not made up stuff. This is not textbook. This is us. These are the things that we know live and reside in us. And then lastly, we're going to, as we go through, it's a blink test. Don't overthink it. We're going to tune into our hearts and we're just going to go for it. Can I have a copy? Have we got enough or not? Okay, so we're not going to overthink it, okay, but we are going to use the language of the heart, okay, so just just center yourself for a minute. You've got your bit of paper, you've got your pen, don't be stressed about the exercise, no one's going to mark it, no one's going to look at it, it's yours, you're going to take it away, do what you want with it, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to write on it, you can do whatever you like in this moment, but I promise you... I promise you that some of these lies will unlock huge freedom for you if you find them. Some of these lies, or understanding them, have changed my life. So I invite you to journey through these next few moments. You're just going to circle, never, rarely, sometimes, or often. Don't overthink it. Just, do I feel God is distant and uninterested in me? Answer that honestly. Not with your head. Of course God's not distant. He promises to be with us. What, what do you feel? Do I feel God is insensitive and uncaring? Do I feel God is stern and demanding? Do I feel God loves other people more than me? Ouch. Do I feel that God is impatient, angry, or never satisfied with what I do? I just can't do enough. just can't please him. Nothing's ever enough. Do I feel God is trying to take all the fun out of life?
do I feel God is condemning and unforgiving? Those are truths about God. Several more where that came from, but that's a smattering, a selection now, more to things about ourselves. Do I, do I feel I can't relax until it's perfect? Just can't stop. Do I feel I can't make a mistake? Or make mistakes? Do I feel I'm not wanted or lovable as I am? Do I feel I must guard and hide my emotions and feelings? Okay, we're a third of the way there. Deep breath, everyone. Do I feel I'm worthy of love when I'm helpful? Do I feel others are more important? Do I feel I must protect myself by keeping a distance from other people? Do I feel I'm loved for what I do? Do I feel I must avoid failure at all costs? Do I feel I must wear a mask to be accepted? Goodness, if people see the real me, they'll never accept me. Do I feel there's no hope? Do I feel I'll be abandoned? Do I feel no one else will ever understand me? Yep. Do I feel I am my feelings? Do I feel I can't act unless I know everything? Do I feel other people's needs are too much overwhelming? Do I feel knowledge will make me safe? Do I feel I don't need to depend on anyone? Okay, let's pause for a moment. You might not be up to speed, you might be running behind, you might be feeling like you haven't done it right, a whole, none of this matters. God's Spirit's going to move anyway, okay? You come back to this numerous times. We're on the top of the third page, you might want to leave the ones that you've missed or not sure about or got stuck on. Maybe put an asterisk by the one that you got stuck on or by the one that particularly jumped out at you. Is there one on either of those two pages that made you go, ooh, ouch, that was, that was below the belt, Si, saying that. I came here for a quiet Sunday morning. Yeah, which was the one that went, oh, that got me. Okay, top of page three. 
I feel life is better alone. I feel I'm not safe. I feel this, whatever this is, isn't going to end well. I feel if I stop planning, I'll sink. I feel that staying with pain will destroy me. FOMO, I feel like I'm going to miss out. feel like I'll be betrayed. I feel vulnerability is a sign of weakness. I feel my presence doesn't matter. I feel I must go along to get along. I feel I'm not enough, not good enough. All these last ones, by the way, we've already started them, were written up in our prayer room last week. I feel like I'm alone. I feel I have nothing to offer. I fear I'm a failure. I feel my results or my accomplishments are all that defines me. I feel like I'm lost. And I feel like my usefulness has ended. Just going to pause. Going to take a breath. As you've reflected this morning, maybe you've kept up, maybe you haven't, maybe you've got stuck somewhere, maybe something that's just been said in the last couple of minutes has rung true. So my dominant lies are, with just maybe jot a couple or two or three that, that come to the top of your kind of heart and mind in this moment, just jot those down. We're only going to move with one this morning. So if there's one that sticks out, stick that down. Remember what Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth sets you free. But to know the truth, you've got to understand the lie. And understanding the lie is the bit that hacks us off. And you're in good company, because all of us, since Adam and Eve, have believed lies. Yeah? Every single one of us, other than Jesus. And no lie is greater than another We're all in the same boat. And honestly, there's no shame in the lie that you have been caught by. No shame. Shame is of the enemy. No shame. My dominant lie is, my dominant lies are. Okay. You there? Got something to work with?
if you want to. Let me just explain what I'm going to invite you to do before I invite you to do it, so you know the end from the beginning. What do we do with lies? Okay, what do we do with them? We destroy the lie by firstly revealing the lie. That's what we've been doing. We've been saying, Holy Spirit, just help me understand, help me see the lie that I'm believing. Father, help me identify the lie that is at the root of this behavior and feeling. So that phrase comes out of that whole journey of behavior feelings. But for us right now, this morning, uh, Father, thank you. Father, help me to reveal uh, the lie. We have to repent of the lie. We have to recognize that it's a lie. And uh, it's the root of, root of uh, or the, the bottom of all sin is, is the lie. So we need to repent of it. We need to turn from it. We need to say that we do not want this in our lives anymore. That's true, isn't it? If there's a lie, I don't want it. I don't need it. This is destroying me from the inside out. As, as Paul said, this is killing me. It doesn't matter how educated and clever and, and, and uh, gifted and talented I am. This is, this is and will kill me. So, Father, I confess that I've believed the lie that, whatever it is, that I'm alone, that I'm lost, that my usefulness has ended. And I ask for your forgiveness and receive your cleansing, healing, and rescue. Remember that key verse from 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, our lies, which is the basis of all sin, if we confess our lies, he is faithful and just to forgive us. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And to cleanse us from all the effects of it, from all that is impure, some translations say, from all that is unrighteous. And to cleanse me from the impact that that lie has had in my life. In other words, to put that part of my heart that's broken off because it's believed the lie back into the rest of me. And then we need to receive. We need to receive God's forgiveness and cleansing. Allow Jesus to Cleanse that place where that lie has been. And so often lies are connected to memories and invite Jesus into any memories that come to mind. We need to reestablish the truth. So if that's the lie, what's the truth? Remember my top tip for finding a truth in the Bible? What was it? Google it. Thank you. Google it. This is not rocket science for us people. We can Google it. We need to find a truth. The truth that stands against the lie. And we need to speak it out. We need to declare it to ourselves more than anybody else. And when I speak something out, I declare it more fully to myself than when I just think it in my head or whisper it in my heart. I need to speak out the truth. Because I, I'm, I'm getting rid of this. This is warfare the Bible talks about. The belt of truth, the armor and stuff. This is, there's a, some aggression about this. I'm getting rid of this lie and I'm going to claim this truth for myself, because it's true. And then we need to recommit to live differently. And perhaps we'll say something about that just at the end, what that might look like. You've got five minutes to do this with me? Now, two things, or at least one thing. Whenever we do something new, it's hard work. Whenever we do something new, it's fear-inducing. Whenever we do something new, we panic about whether we're doing it right. Whenever we do something new, we feel uncomfortable, however good it is. All of those feelings, all of those emotions are perfectly normal. I am longing 
and believing that as a community of God's people, we will get to the stage where this stuff becomes so familiar and natural to us, just like soap did, that we'll read the Bible, see what God said and do something about it, that I'll identify a behavior, feeling and a lie, and I'll just be able to do something about it. Wouldn't that be cool? And you'd become a little bit more like Jesus, and so would I. And that's got to be good for all of us. So that's what we're about. Okay? So we're going to push in. First time, it's hard, it's difficult. Okay? No one's going to mark you. No one's going to judge you. You'll feel like you haven't done it right. You'll feel like, oh, this is not working. You'll feel like everyone else is having a great time, but I'm not. That's one of the lies, isn't it? God loves them more than he loves me. Got ya. So here we go. Let's go back to where we were. You might want a bit of space. If I wanted to do this, I wouldn't want to sit next to you. Not in a bad way. I'd want to sit with a little bit more space. So I felt I had room to breathe. So if you want to do that, you can. No? Okay. Stay where you are. Don't say I, don't say I didn't offer. Yeah. Because you're compliant, Kate. Ah, go you. Go you. Okay, so you've got the lie. Yeah, do you know what it is? Father, help me identify the lie that's at the root of this behavior and feelings. Help me identify the lie that you're bringing to my attention right now, this morning. And so we repent. Father, I confess that I have believed the lie. Add in what it is. Just say that again. Begin to mean it. Begin to allow it to go from your head into your heart. Father, I confess. I can see how damaging and destructive and how painful and how manipulative that lie has been in my life. So I confess it willingly. I don't want it anymore. Father, I, I give it to you. Father, I hand it over to you. I say no to that lie doing its law of sin work in my life anymore. Father, I give it to you. I confess it to you. And I just open up my heart. Even just perhaps open up your chest as you breathe in and out. I open up my heart to receive your forgiveness and your cleansing. Jesus died for this. What is true, said Pilate. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus died for the every single lie that we've believed and held on to. Every single lie that's destroying us from the inside out. Every single lie that destroys everything that's good. He died for that and he offers us his forgiveness and his cleansing. Breathe it in. You're forgiven. There's no shame. There's no condemnation, conviction, but no condemnation. I receive your forgiveness and I invite you to begin right now where I'm sitting, sitting to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, from everything that's impure, from that lie that's taken hold of my life. I receive your cleansing, your healing, and your rescue. So breathe it in. Receive it now. And if a memory comes to mind that's kind of caught up with the lie, a moment when you felt alone, a moment when you felt lost, a moment when you felt God loved someone else more than you, a moment when you felt you didn't matter, just invite Jesus into that moment. Jesus. He's outside all the time. doesn't matter when it was. Jesus is there. And he can minister to you. You can't fix that yourself. Remember what Paul said. No amount of clever words, clever thinking can fix it, but Jesus rescues us. Allow him to rescue you.
to cleanse you, to renew you in that place, wherever the Spirit of God's taking you right now. And now we need to reestablish the truth. So if that was the lie, what is the truth? 99 times out of 100, we'll know the truth. Our heads will know it. We know the truth. It's about our hearts beginning to receive it. So what's the truth? You can write it down in the box, but more than the box, get it into your heart. What's the truth? Truth is, I'm not alone. Because in that moment when I thought I was alone, I could see now that Jesus was there. The truth is, I, I'm not useless. Because in that moment that Jesus has taken me to, where I was made to feel useless, I can see that Jesus has a different story, that Jesus has a different truth over my life. I can see that in that moment I was most lost, that Jesus had already found me. Own that truth. Speak it out. Speak it over your life. Speak it out in faith. I believe, but help my unbelief. Speak it into that situation. Speak it into that place in your heart where that lie was living, where that lie was holding you. Speak that truth over yourself. And maybe you can picture it like this. If there was a little child who came into the room and said, do you know what, I feel ugly, I feel lost, I feel like I'm hopeless, I feel like I've got nothing to offer, I feel like I'm, I'm a nobody, I promise you, your heart would melt and you'd speak truth over that child. Have at least the same compassion for yourself as you would for that child. And speak over that part of you that's lost, or hurting, or wounded, or feels abandoned, or feels alone, or feels like they've got nothing to offer. The least you can do for yourself is what you would do for others. Jesus says, if you really want to love God, you've got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. As you love yourself. Took me a long time to understand that, but that's what it means. I'm just going to let you stay with Jesus and do whatever he's leading you in. The band's going to come and and begin to sing. You can join them in song or stay in the moment that you're in right now. Allow Jesus to do his stuff. Encourage. It's not that Jesus needs the encouragement, but you need the encouragement yourself to give Jesus that space in your heart.
This is what Jesus died for. This is what he literally bled for. And so we surrender ourselves at the cross to all our broken parts. But take that lie this morning. I surrender it here. I give it to you, Lord. And I invite your forgiveness and your cleansing. This is the place where mercy reigns.